turn to uh, Luke chapter 14. Last week we talked about the cost. We talked about the cost. What is the cost of following Christ? What is the cost of Christianity? How many of us, let me, let me just kind of give you a little bit of motivation here. How many of you have been to church before and been disappointed? Amen. <laughs> Anybody besides me? Yeah. yeah. You know, a lot of times going to church and being disappointed has to do with us and it has to do with our heart, right? I can be in the same service, preach the same message, and one person walk out and they're like, that was the greatest message ever. And then I can be in that same service and somebody can be like, that pastor stinks, right? And, and a lot of times that has to do with our heart. When we have a heart that's after the Lord, when we have a heart that's after Him, hungry for Him, and expectant on Him, then that's when uh, we will find God, right? So in, in uh, Jeremiah it says, If you will seek after me with all of your heart, I will be found by you, right? He says, You will find me when you search for me with your whole heart. So a lot of times we'll walk into church and, you know, we're, we're not really searching him with, for him with all of our heart. We're just like, maybe if I go to church, it'll check some kind of box in God's system and he'll give me a blessing, right? Anybody ever been there besides me? You don't have to raise your hand, but it's pretty much all of us, I think. And uh, so a lot of times that's what we're doing. So we'll walk in. We have no faith, no expectation. Maybe God will do something. Maybe it won't. That's luck. Right? That's not faith. That's not hope. That's not Bible hope. That's just luck. And so we walk in and God doesn't show up in our life because we didn't show up with our heart. Right? And so then, then we want to blame God or blame the church and really it was us. But then there's another side to it. We walk in and we truly do have a heart for God, but people are playing just like religious games. Right? All of a sudden, they're playing religious games. They don't believe that God can do the things that He said He can do. They don't believe. You know, uh, turn, uh, JD, will you put up Luke 4 18, please? And we'll go 4 18, 4 19. But Luke 4 18, uh, Jesus is reading in Isaiah 61. He's reading Isaiah 61, verse 1, 2, and 3, or something like that. And basically, Isaiah prophesied about the Christ, about the Messiah. And he said, when the Messiah comes, the Spirit of God will be on him, and he'll be anointed, right? So Jesus gets up when he shows up on the earth, and he, he goes up in front of the church, and all of a sudden, he asks for the scrolls, he asks for Isaiah, right? He asked for that, that uh, portion of the word. He starts reading Isaiah and he reads this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Alright, so now here's what Jesus is doing. He's going to go on to say at the end of this, this is real right now and basically I'm that guy, right? And now the religious people get really mad at him, but it doesn't make Jesus untrue. But he gets up and he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He's not waiting for the Spirit to come on him. 
He's not waiting for the anointing to come on him. Jesus gets up and proclaims to all the people, the Spirit of the Lord's on me, and he's anointed me. What has he anointed him to do? He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That's, that's the good news to the poor. So let, let, me, let me just show you something real quick. Uh, William, will you come here? And will you just stand right here? I need you to play the part, okay? All right, all right. So you're, you're the poor, okay? Uh, there you go. Awesome. Good. That's good. That's good. You're the poor. All right, now here's the thing. If I walk up to the poor now, does this mean poor in finances or poor in spirit? Yes, it means, yes, it means both is what it's talking about. But we're, we'll just, we're going to use finances as an instance for this right here because it'll, it'll translate a little bit better. But see, when you become rich in the spirit, then you can actually manifest the finances and the provision too. Uh, it, they go together. They, they're never to be separated. God's not in lack. How much lack is in heaven? Is there any lack in heaven? No, and yet Jesus told us to pray this way, and if we pray, we're supposed to be in faith that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, he never wanted that lack. But see, the word gospel, he, Jesus was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. Gospel means good news, correct? So let's just pretend it's all finance is right here and let's say I come up to him and I say good man you're doing awesome and I say hey poor guy I'm gonna I'm gonna preach now some good news to you you can be wealthy again you don't have to be poor anymore and then what if he received that what's gonna happen he's gonna turn that frown upside down and all of a sudden he'll be smiling right but then what if I walk away and I don't give him the anointing to make that happen? Well, that would stink. <laughs> that would be all of a sudden what's going to happen is, is that really good news? No, that's not good news. I can tell him all day long, he doesn't want you poor. He doesn't want you poor. He doesn't want you poor. Isn't that good news no matter how I cheerlead that? Even if I throw in a kick, it's not going to make him feel any better until his life changes. So see, when Jesus said that I'm going to give you good news, it's very unfair and unjust of him to tell him good news that doesn't actually bring about manifestation. So just when Jesus says that I'm anointed to preach good news, to the poor, he's saying there is a manifestation of good news. In other words, I'm not just going to tell you about it. Something's going to come into your possession. And your situation is going to change. Now, here's the thing. He can preach that and he can even make that available. But at some point, Mr. Man on the earth has to decide... I trust you, Jesus. I believe you. Because if he doesn't trust you and he doesn't believe that, then all of a sudden he's not going to have those things. Because whose job is it to resist the devil? Ours. Ours. Right? Is, the, is God ever in lack? No. 
No, but who is? Who comes to steal, kill, and destroy? So who's behind lack? Whatever it may be, the devil is, right? So all of a sudden what we see is the devil's trying to come up here, constantly steal out of his But Jesus came on the scene and said, I'm carrying an anointing. I'm carrying the power, and I'm telling you, you don't have to be in lack anymore, whatever it may be. It may be sickness in your body, right? It may be, it may be lack of health. It may be lack of protection. Whatever it is, you don't have to be poor in that situation. I'm anointed to bring the good news and manifest it in the earth. That's what Jesus is saying. So in other words, if Jesus just said, I'm anointed to preach the gospel to the poor, and he's not actually bringing a desired result to take somebody out of that situation, that makes him a liar. And he's not. That makes him unjust. And he's not. But here's the thing. If I pray, let's say I pray sometime, Lord, I just ask that you will bless my brother and you will take away lack and bring that, and then I walk away, and it doesn't happen, right? Then all of a sudden, who feels responsible? Generally, the preacher feels responsible uh, because, and then the person's also under condemnation because maybe they didn't have enough faith in everything. And so what they do is they start trying to come up with a reason why it didn't manifest. You know, there's many times in the Word, and this is not the message today, that people are trying to figure out why. And what they need to do is just turn to God and say, Did you say this? Then I trust you. Why it didn't happen this time, I don't know. But that does not make your Word untrue. And if we will get that in our heart and set our mind on your word is true, let every man be a liar, let every situation be false, but you, God, are true. I trust you. All of a sudden, the anointing of God will start to work. You know how many times I've prayed over people when they weren't healed? Lots. You know how many times I've prayed for my finances and they didn't come through at that moment that I thought they needed to? Lots. But what did I learn in the process when I gave up? on his promise, then it's over. But if I'll keep going after him, Lord, your word's true. Obviously, I'm missing something in the equation, but I trust you. Now, all of a sudden, I start to work out where the issue is, where the breakdown is in my heart and in my mind or in our thinking and our theology instead of trying to make an an, an excuse for an experiential thing. So Jesus comes on the scene and he says, I got some good news for you. I'm anointed. I'm empowered by God to bring about good news to anybody who may be in lack. Whatever area they may find themselves in lack in, I'm anointed to change that situation. I see, I think all of us have been in the place before where we're hearing this message for the first time, and then you try to apply these things, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But the common denominator that's the, the weak link is not God. The weak link common denominator is us and our thinking and how we've been raised. 
And so Jesus is saying, I went back and I said, have you ever gone to church and not experienced what you thought you should experience? A lot of times it's on us. We walk in the doors. We're not carrying faith. We're not, thank you, sir. We're not carrying expectation. But then sometimes you have uh, spiritual religious people that won't take the word at face value and believe it as a child. And because of that, they never see the power of God. And when you need a real answer and real protection, it's not there. Why? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So here's Jesus. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach gospel to the poor, the gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives. In other words, if you've been captive by something in your life, I don't care if it's just recent or it's been all of your life, Jesus said, you can have freedom and release today. And I'm telling you the same thing. That he is not a respecter of person. If you will hear that and make it yours today, you can have release today too. You can have good news about lack today. You can have good news saying that that lack goes away and let the Lord start to manifest that. If you've seen, now, and just let me, let me just do it this way. If you have seen increase in your life, jobs come in, Anything where it has brought increase, in a, let's use finances, in your life since you've been hearing this word and when we prayed over that, will you raise your hand? Hold it up high so everybody, if you've seen that. If you've seen increase come in any form or fashion since you've been listening or attending at Boomerang, keep your hand up for a second. So do we have some testimonies about that increase? Is this true? Yes. Did we pray for some of those and it didn't come right when we wanted it? Sure. Yeah. But what do we do? We keep trusting God. We, we keep saying, hey, if there's a weak link in the equation, it's not Jesus. It's us. So let's go back into ourselves and work out what we're missing. Because obviously he brought something and we want to walk in those things. Right? Now, it's the same way with healing. He says, I want, he came to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to, to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed. Verse 19, Gee, this is Jesus talking now. He says this, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And then in one of the next verses, he says this. He says, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears, in your hearing. Today it's fulfilled. Well, that's when all the religious people started looking for rocks because they were going to knock him out and kill him, right? They were. They were, they were getting ready to stone him. Why? Because he just said, basically, I'm the Son of God. That's what Jesus said. And they're like, you can't claim. You grew up in Nazareth. You grew up in Nazareth, Jesus. We know you. We know your mom. You're not the son of God. And they were going to kill him because they thought he was blaspheming God. Right? But turns out Jesus was right. They were wrong. You know, imagine that. But here's the thing. How wrong would it have been for Jesus to say, I'm bringing you good news if there was nothing to back it up? Wouldn't that be unjust? Wouldn't that be unfair? And yet he made those statements. 
So what happens is a lot of times we'll go into church and maybe our heart's not right. We're not really reaching out with all of our heart to grab a hold of God. We're just kind of checking a box because we've been told this is the good thing to do. Maybe we've been feeling bad about ourselves. We haven't been doing everything right, so this makes us feel better. It's more about us than it is about God. So sometimes when we go into church and we don't receive what we want, it's on us, right? That has a lot to do with it. But sometimes you go into a church and they're just like these religious leaders that didn't believe what Jesus said, what he said. And so they don't believe in the power of God to actually come out and bring about manifestation in the lives of people. They don't really believe that. And so they'll get up, they'll preach a message, they'll talk about the things of God. But Paul said it like this. He said, I don't come to you just preaching and and just making your ears feel good with my preaching. He said, I don't come to you with persuasive words of man's wisdom. In other words, if you go and you hear a message and all it does is just make you feel good or you can stand up and say, that was a good message, that's a good thing. But if it comes alone and that's the only thing that happens, then there's something else missing. Paul says, I don't come like that. He says, but I come with demonstration and power. In other words, a gospel preached, and I would pose to you this question, is the gospel preached without demonstration and without power, without lack being made removed, without freedom coming, is the gospel preached actually the gospel if it doesn't have demonstration and power? That's it. You got it. So a lot of times we'll walk into church. See, we're really talking about realities today. See, I don't want, this is something we've been talking about, I don't want what we call great. I could care less what I think is great, or you think is great, or the world thinks is great. I want what God calls great. I want what God calls normal. And I want us to be a people that we aren't satisfied until we have what's normal to God. But that comes at a cost. There's a cost to seeing that. There's a cost to walking in that. He paid the price for everything, but when we start to realize that our faith needs to link up, faith without works is dead. In other words, if I truly say that I believe in Him, then my actions are going to show that belief. The actions are going to back that up. So you start talking about healing, you start talking about prosperity, you start talking about the power of God in manifestation, the religious world starts talking about you. I'm I'm aware of that. But here's the thing, who am I trying to impress? Them or him? And here's the other thing, who am I trying to bring a solution to? Them who's denying who Jesus is, who's denying what he's really about? Or the people that need it. See, Jesus didn't go to make the Pharisees happy. He came to bring the solution to mankind. And he can't, you, we, we can't bring the solution to mankind if we're not willing to apply true childlike faith to every promise of God. Here's the other thing. If, if I, uh, let's say that I've, I have a present. Uh, will you come here, Justin, and bring your phone? So, let's say that Justin, uh, I'll tell you what, let's use my phone, okay. all right? 
All right, let's say that Justin is bringing me a new phone, right? Hallelujah. Oh, that looks like the iPhone 7. Thank you so very much. Blessing, favor. Oh, there you go. All right. That's good. All right. So watch this. Let's say that he's bringing me a present, right? Let's say that he took time to find that gift, right? If he's bringing me that, I mean... He, he's showing, he's manifesting the love that he has, right? He, he took time to find something that I like. He took time to, to pick it out. If I know Justin, he probably even thought or prayed about what color do I get, what case look like. He, he would be interested in making sure that all those details, that's the way he is. He has a heart like that. He'd be interested in making sure that the details were what they needed to be. All right, so let's say that he said, man, hey, I got this present for you. I, I, I thought about it. I prayed about it. I took my time, my money to give it to you. Here's your gift. And then he gave me that gift. All right. Now, it cost him something, right? What if I took that and I went, oh, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. How's he feeling? I mean, I really esteemed his heart, right? Did I esteem the price that he paid? Did I esteem the time and the care and the love? All right. Jesus never had to leave heaven. He could have sat there and Jesus would have been just fine. Matter of fact, the word says that he was equal with God. He did not consider it robbery. He wasn't stealing something from God to be considered equal with him. He was equal with God. And in that moment, the father looked at Jesus and said this, said, I want you to go to this earth to a world full of humanity that are sinners, they're helpless, and they're even my enemies. And I want you to give your life for them. And I want you to love on them and pay the price of your life for them. And they're going to treat you nice sometimes, but in the end, they're going to beat you, they're going to crucify you, and they're going to kill you. But through that process, through that process, we're going to save them. And you will be the firstborn of many, many of my children. But it comes at a cost. And Jesus, who's after the Father's heart, says, I'll do that. And then the process happens, it goes on out, and all of a sudden, what happens? Thank you, Justin. All of a sudden, what happens? He goes on, he pays the price. For your sakes, he became poor so that you might be rich. He says on that cross in Matthew chapter 8, he says he bore your sins and your sicknesses. The word says this, that by his stripes you were healed. 1 Peter 2.24, you were healed. See, if I take the cost that Jesus paid and I don't esteem it as a worthy and expensive gift, then am I honoring the gift and the person that gave it? 
So see, as Christians, we ought to see every cost that Jesus paid and say, that is worthy of my faith and my trust to walk into. And I might miss it in the first. I might be missing how to get a hold of it. But I won't give up on it because if he says, by his stripes, I'm healed, then by golly, I don't care what the world says or what the doctor says or what my body says, I'm healed. And I'm going to honor his sacrifice and his payment for me, I'm not going to drop it to the ground and not bring about the good news in my life and in the lives of others because people think that's weird. You feel that? But it came at a cost. And still to this day, living for Christ comes at a cost. We are, the word even says it, we are a peculiar people. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> I fit right in, amen? I believe most of you do too. It's, we're a peculiar people, and that's okay. We're going to do things that the world thinks is nuts, but God thinks is awesome. Because you're going to trust Him like a kid. You're going to use the logic of a child that trust a good father. You're going to use the logic of a child in trusting a good father. Well, to a world that's bent on corruption, that seems illogical. You know, if you're a Star Trek fan, don't be Spock. Be Captain Kirk. Be the one that goes after it, who's a little crazy. God says and puts it this way, don't don't be lukewarm. Don't be cold, but be hot for God. Be on fire. Be a fan. Be a fanatic for God. Oh, we can go to Panther Stadium and whoo, we can make some noise there, but you make some noise in church and everybody's like, oh my gosh, oh, don't they know this is church? <laughs> this... Man, if you can't get excited for God, what in the world are you doing getting excited for a football team? This is the one who paid with his son. Jesus who paid with his life. That football team, I guarantee you, go try and get on that field, see how much they think about you. Get on there, walk past the guards. Then you'll find out just how much they love you. He paid with his life. And we can't give him a hallelujah or an amen or a shout or we can't trust him above the criticism of a people that don't even want to believe him in the first place? It comes at a cost. It comes at a cost. Y'all can tell I'm on my notes. There's a cost. In this, in this one verse in, in Luke 4, 14, 7, it says this, And he began speaking a parable to the invited guest when he started speaking the parable when he noticed how they'd been picking out the places of honor at the table. In other words, what was happening was the invited guests were like, Ooh, that's an honorable seat. I'm going to go take that one. Then it goes on to say, basically in my paraphrase, 
Um, you don't want to do that because you might get embarrassed when somebody that's actually more important than you, they actually exist, comes in and you get replaced. That's what we talked about some last week. Believe it or not, there's very likely that there's somebody more important than us. There is. And so when you start grabbing a hold of that stuff, you see people are like, well, I want the best and I deserve the best. But humility says, I'll sit at the back. And if the host wants to honor me, then I'll allow them to do that. But I'm not taking it on my own. See, there's so many things in our lives that we consider ours. And so because we consider it ours, we start to take it. But Jesus is saying the cost is that you start to give up what you consider yours. See, a lot of times, ours is our reputation. And so we you know, don't want to be looked at funny, so we'll say, well, I don't believe in healing. I know Pastor Brian preaches that. I, just, I like going there, but I don't know about him pre, you know, preaching on healing or finding, I don't know about that, you know, but I go there. And because we don't stand up for it, we never really see it in our lives. There's a cost. But see, our reputation is something that we're supposed to be giving up. Uh, yeah, you know what? I believe that because the Word says it. Well, that's just weird. Well, I'm sorry that you think that way, but I'm going to be a child of God and trust Him. And I want to see it. And see, when we make excuses for the power of God to not have them or not see them, all of a sudden we become unempowered we lose the power to bring about the solution in people's lives. A lot of times when we come into church, we don't see the power of God because there's a whole group of people that have decided, I want my reputation more than I want what Jesus paid for. Wow. I don't care about the reputation. Yeah. People have been saying he's crazy for years. I'm good with it. Because Jesus looks and says this, I'm pleased with you. That's what I want. I don't want well done, good and unfaithful servant. I want well done, good and faithful servant. That's the goal. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That's the goal for all of us. But it comes at a cost. It comes at the cost of putting your flesh down. Listen to this as we wrap up. He says in verse 27 and 28, Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Which one of you doesn't calculate the cost? Listen, trust in Jesus may cost you your reputation. Matter of fact, not may, it will. And you have to decide, is he my life or am I the source of it? See, I've made that decision and I hope that you have too. And if you haven't, I know that you can and you will. Because when you make the decision that I'm not the source anymore, He's the source. All of a sudden, 
You step into a place where the power of God can flow through you. And it's not my reputation anymore. I'm upholding His. I'm not worried about mine. I'm not trying to just get the front seat or the honorable seat. I'll be wherever He wants me to be. Wherever. It's like this. It was well after He called me to preach that I was cleaning toilets in the church. Well after. Years later. Is that right? Why? Because I'm not trying to be the guy up front. I'm trying to be the one who's obedient to Him. And see, a person that will get obedient to Him can walk in that anointing just like Him. He said, you'll do these things and others. I want to end with this. In um, uh, verse 33, it says this. It says, so then none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. And I want to say that this possessions word right there, I believe that it can mean what you have in your hand, you know, what's in your checking account, your car, your house, your, that's willing to give it up. It doesn't mean that you have to go find somebody to give it to right now. What it means is that you have an ear that's tuned in to the voice of God, ready to move at any second. But here's another possession that you have, your thinking and your mindset. Most people come into church and they already have a doctrine and a mindset and it, nothing really happens in their spiritual walk until they're willing to take their mindset and transform it by the washing of the water of the Word. In other words, as long as you hold on to, well, this is how I've been taught. Well, there's a bunch of people teaching wrong stuff, including me. Everybody's like, what? <laughs> Am I God? No. no. Can I miss it? Yes. You know what you're supposed to do according to the Word? You're supposed to take everything I say, everything, go back to the Word and check it out for yourself and build your, yourself up on the perfect Word of God. Sometimes I can miss it. And if you think I have, then definitely I want to talk to you. I'll take time, won't I? Yeah. <laughs> I'll take time to go over that stuff. Why? Because if you think that that's the case, it's fine for me. I'll go back and review it. You know why? Because I am willing to throw doctrine away and humble myself to God because that's a possession. And I'm willing to throw every possession away. And if it was not worth me believing uh, yes, yesterday or tomorrow, it's not worth me believing at other times either. It needs to stand the test of going into the Word and trying it. And I'm willing to do that on any doctrine. Because I'm not trying to hold on to a pet doctrine that made my logic fit at some place. I need what God calls normal. And so we need to do that the same, is that we need to say, All right, Lord, I got some thinking about you. Show me what's right and what's wrong. And not only show me, but I'm willing to throw away what's wrong. That was the problem with the Pharisees. That spirit of religion wanted to kill the Son of God Himself who never did anything wrong because they didn't want to throw away their thinking. It's a dangerous thing. But he says the cost. He says, shouldn't you count the cost? In other words, following Jesus can cost you every way that you've been taught by this world to think. Counting the cost means that it can cost you your reputation. 
Counting the cost means that he can tell you to give everything away today. He may do that. And you're willing to do it. Now, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So if he asks you to do that, trust me, he's got a good plan. He says over in Mark chapter 10, he says, if you'll give these things away uh, now in this world, he said, you will have a, a harvest a hundredfold now in this time and in the world to come. So when we're giving for the sake of God, the gospel or for Jesus' sake, we have a harvest now in the earth and in the world to come. That's what he made a promise. Jesus said that. So if he's asking you for something, in other words, like this, if he's asking you for your reputation, then he's got a better plan. Wow. Matter of fact, most of the guys that I know that have been willing to give up their reputation, they're the ones that are doing major things in the kingdom of God and operating in the power today. But it's because they were willing to hand over all of themselves. They counted the cost and said, Jesus is worth it. They said, look, my life is his. I'm bought with a price. Christ is worth it. So then none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. Therefore, salt is good, but even if the salt has become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? It is useless either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. See, a lot of people hearing this message, they don't actually hear this message with their heart because they're not willing to give up their life. But for the ones that I'm talking to, and something's moving on the inside of you, and the Holy Spirit's pricking your heart, and you're hearing this message, that's who the message is for. And he's saying this, that salt can lose its ability to season. You know, one, one way salt is a preservant. In this way, salt helps us. Uh, in, in cooking, one of the things that salt does, they'll teach you that when you cook, that salt will actually bring the flavors out of the food. In other words, it will bring all the goodness out of food. That's why salt tastes good. That's why people want it. It changes the chemistry in your mouth so that when you take, that's like a salted caramel. Got anybody's attention now? Amen. It brings out all that goodness in that flavor, right? It brings out all that, that flavor of that caramel. That's why when you like mix something salty with something sweet, you know, Nicole, I'm going to tell on her, and she, growing up, she'd like to go and get Wendy's fries and a Frosty and then dip those salty fries in that Frosty and eat it. It is pretty good, I have to say. You know why? Because that salt on that French fry, it brings out all the flavor of that Frosty. The word says in 1 Peter chapter 2 that if you've tasted of God, you have tasted that he is good. We are ambassadors of God that are designed to bring the goodness of God, his character and his nature into people's lives. But if we haven't counted the cost and we haven't decided that he's worth it all, 
my life, my reputation, my possessions, my thinking. What he's referring to here is that you become unsalty. And the goodness that's supposed to be exposed now to the world of God, they don't receive. They might taste a piece of them, but they're not getting every bit of it. Because by his own plan and his own design, he's designed you to be the one that allows them to taste all of his goodness. But it comes at a cost. So I ask you, just bow your heads this morning. If I'm talking to you this morning and you're feeling it, I feel it in my heart. The Holy Spirit's moving. See, I can't move your heart like that, but God can. He's calling you to count the cost and say, you know what? He's, God is worth it. He's worth it. Lord, I trust you. I've counted the cost and my reputation, my possessions, my thinking. It's not worth giving up pieces of you. I want to give myself to every price that you paid. And I want to honor your gift of your life. We just say you make Jesus our Lord, but there's more to it. There's a cost. If I'm talking to you today, it's not just me. It's, it's the Holy Spirit that's talking to you. It's the Holy Spirit that's pricking your heart. Today, if you see that your relationship, with maybe you've not counted the cost properly up to this point. You may be born again, but you, there's more to it and you know it. I've got to give him all of me. You know, maybe on a scale of one to five, five is I'm on fire with God, and, and you're not at a five. Even if you're at a four, but you're not at a five, you need to go all in. I just ask you right now, just raise your hand, just with every head bowed. If you need to be a five, just raise your hand right now. So I can see it. On fire. I've counted the cost, and Jesus is worth it. Glory to God. And so I just ask everybody, everybody, pray this prayer with me. Just say, Jesus, I've counted the cost today. And you are worth every cent of my life. My thinking, my possessions, my reputation. You're worth it. Today I make you my Lord. I've counted the cost and I've decided that you are worthy of following. You're the director of my life. You make the calls and I'm obedient. And I believe that you died for me. And that the Father brought you back to life and rose you up. And when He brought you up, he raised me up too. And according to your own word, you seated me with him in heavenly places. I ask you, Father, save me.
Set me on fire. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let me be a fanatic for you. In Jesus' name.